folks, welcome to another episode of After Backboard. Firstly, thanks to all the followers and everyone that's tuning in and listening to us on Spotify. It's much appreciated for all the After Backboard staff. Uh, what can I say then? I've been trying to find out a wee bit of info about this, this player that I've got on today. She's an exceptional talent. She's flying the flag over in Germany for Scotland. She's meant to be pretty funny, so I'm looking forward to this wee podcast today. How are we doing? Afternoon, Amy Gibson. Yes, hello, Johnny from uh, sunny Hamburg. Um, I don't know who told you it was funny. I'm absolutely shy at telling stories, so we'll see how this goes. Amy, don't say that. We're only 30 seconds in, Jesus. But what I want to know straight away is, how's the lingo over in Germany? Hit me with a bit of your German. German is, I've got to say, probably one of the hardest languages in the world. Like, when you learn French at school and it's like, le and la and whatever, there's maybe like two, three... Um, tense, tenses, is that what you say? I don't know. Um, they've literally got hunters here, masculine, feminine, neuter, neutral, and then they've got other ones as well. So my German's not very good, but I'll give you a little sentence. Um, Hello, ich bin Amy, ich komme aus Schottland. Uh, ich bin ein Torhüterin für die Club in der Alster. It's not too bad, I'll give you that. Your name's Amy Gibson, you live in Germany, you play for Alster. That's good enough for me. More than I can say, I can all say danke, danke Amy. Very close. I said I came from Scotland, but yeah, I'm a goalie for the club, their club and their Alster. Yeah, thanks. Danke, danke Johnny. I'm looking at the amount of clubs that you played for, Amy, and it's some amount. It's longer than Big Gary Mato's list, shopping list at Rachel's on a Friday. But <laughs> we'll get started by saying, how, how was it you get into hockey, Amy? What was your... What was your upbringing with regards to getting started and was there any other sports before you got introduced to hockey that you were excelling at at all? Yeah, I did. When I moved to England, I played for a lot of clubs, didn't quite find the right fit. Then I moved away again, obviously. Um, but um, yeah, when, when I was younger, I started off at school, big Alan Ald, what a legend. He came into my primary school. I think I was in a, a, a P4-5 class and that there was only like six P4s in our class. So the P5's got to do hockey as well. So I never would have played if I wasn't in that composite class, which was very lucky. Managed to to get into, into hockey doing that. Um, and then um, joined Alan Ald's like youth hockey team. Just played until I was like, must have been like 11 or 12 or something. And uh, played for Loman Ladies, the local club in Dumbarton. Um, and that, uh, quite a few of those girls moved up to uh, GHK and I think I must have been like uh, 13 or something, 12 or 13 um, when they asked me to come and play up in Glasgow and like Kaz said in hers, you, you know, you need to make the move up to the big smoke if you want to make it in hockey, don't you? Get away from the wee clubs, although nothing against the wee clubs, they obviously are great and they're great for bringing talent up and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I moved up to Glasgow. I think I actually played indoor illegally. I think I was 13 and a half and played indoor for them. I think you have to be 14 to play in, in the National League in Scotland. I don't know if that was the case when I was younger, but I don't know if that's the case now. But yeah, that's how I got into it. And I obviously never looked back. Look at me now. Travelled the world, living in Germany. Can I speak the lingo? Absolutely, Amy. Look at you now. You're absolutely flying. <laughs> flying. But... What you're saying there, obviously you have played for a number of clubs, but up in Scotland, uh, you moved then to Clydesdale Western. Who was it that kind of initiated that move? And who were the kind of players that kind of introduced you to the club and looked out for you and kind of helped your development? 
the move to Clydesdale Western. I remember I got a phone call off um, Sam Judge. I think I was at college at the time. Can't remember, but uh, yeah, she gave she gave me a wee phone call and asked if, asked if I wanted to move. And and my friend Susan McGilvery as well. At the time, we both played at GHK, and we both um we loved playing there. Great bunch of girls. Good quality coaching. We used to get coached off uh, Mikey. Can't remember his second name. We used to call him Mikey okay because he said okay after every sentence he said. He used to play with you um, at Kelburn actually. Um, yeah, he he was great, great coach. All the girls were brilliant, but we thought um, like we really wanted to maybe make the step up and play for a team that was fighting at the top of the, the table instead of the bottom. Um, so yeah, we made that move. Um, to Western and Sam was always looking out for me, Cat uh, Ralph as well, Holly, Cram, loads of girls and all the youngsters as well. Um, it was brilliant. But before before I moved um to Western as well, I also was um um I was part of the school sport, which was class. Went to school. People like Willie Marshall. Kaz Cuthbert, she was obviously there as well, but she did badminton. Kenny Bain was there. Um, Gordon McIntyre, so many, so many brilliant hockey players that I got to play hockey with at school, and obviously we were coached by um, Susan Aaron, Susan Gilmore at the time when we went, um, and uh, Ewan Miller, and you had the great, great um, group of people there looking after us. We did S and C at school since since I was like 14 years old I was lifting weights and stuff like that so yeah I had, I had a lot of help with my development in Scotland and obviously wouldn't be the player I am right now if it, if it wasn't for all those people inputting in me so yeah I mean people think maybe there's like a lack of funding or whatever in, in Scotland and oh I need to go abroad to get better but I definitely became the hockey player I am because of the development that they have in Scotland and yeah don't, like don't knock it obviously it's great to get different experiences and stuff like that but all these people have coached me or I've been in teams with they've all they've all had different experiences and I, I was able to learn from them when I was younger so yeah don't don't feel like you have to run away when you're, when you're young definitely take it all in even like under 21 stuff under 18 stuff I had people like um, Rona Simpson as a or under 21 coach um who is she was also one of our uh, GB under twenty one uh, coaches. We had Craig Parnham. He was the head coach of that, and yeah, it was it was great to be part of. You're absolutely right, Amy. With regards to the kind of grounding you'd have as a youngster in Scotland, I think it's very important for all the youngsters coming through that they learn good habits early, early, early doors in their career, and certainly the the players that you've mentioned with regards to Glasgow School of Sport, Kenny, Kaz, Goddy, uh, McIntyre, Willie Marshall, have all went on to really kick on with their careers beaten Scotland down south, abroad, and done very well for themselves. But obviously you see your time at uh, Western, very successful as well, the, the calibre of players that were there. What was this kind of social scene as a youngster coming through? I'm sure there must have been a lot of partying as well with your successes. Definitely a lot, a lot, a lot of parties down at Clydesdale. Um, the one one I remember, it wasn't actually at Clydesdale, like you say, we were quite, we were quite successful. Um, we got to Europe a few times, so we were in uh, Bra in Italy, and um, can't remember what what happened in the tournament. I think we did okay. Like we never got relegated, so that's alright. But I don't think we won. Um, but anyway, we were out in the night out. I think it was a Monday night. It finished on a Monday, and this town was like 
desolate. There was there was nobody there. It was literally just like our team and um, I don't know a few of the other teams out. And uh, we were out for dinner and I had a wee limoncello and that after my dinner and that. And uh, and it was when the planking craze was around and I was well into that profile pictures and all that on my Facebook. Um, so. We were walking down the street and I can't, I can't mind who I said, maybe Holly or Sam. They were like, here, uh, Amy, go and planking that, that thing up there. So I like jump up in this, like it's like a parking meter or something, I don't know, and I go and try and plank on this sign. And uh, the police turn up, of course they do. And um, I like jump down. And Neil, Neil Mingus is the coach at the time. He's like, Amy, run, Amy, run. And then like two minutes later, he's like, no, Amy, don't, because they've got guns. So these like Italian police officers have stopped me and um, they're, they're like asking details and they like, they don't speak English. I don't speak Italian. It's not going very well. Um, and then luckily the the woman, it was an EHF woman who was like one of the organisers of the tournament or something, this Dutch woman who spoke Italian and English perfectly, of course, Um comes down and she's like, what like, what were you doing? He says you were pole dancing on that pole over there. And I was like, no, I, I wasn't. I was planking. She was like, no idea what that is. But anyway, we had to get in the back of the, <laughs> had to get in the back of this police car. <laughs> and they took, because they wanted my details or something, I don't know. So they like drove us back to the hotel and Sam's like running down the street, apparently shouting, Amy's in the jail, Amy's in the jail. Oh, and they got back to the hotel and then I come in with these two police officers. Susan McGilvery comes down and she's like, Amy, what, what have you brought two strippers back to the hotel for? And then she thought these two police officers were strippers because they had big Italian leather knee-high boots on. Scotland's fit, really, without anyone getting to jail. <laughs> really, really. And uh, with regards to doing a bit of... Bit of pole dancing against the poles. You wouldn't need to look out a place in Glasgow to be fair, that's pretty much a gimme up the town. So <laughs> I would have fitted in very well then, planking all on, on the stripper pole. But yeah, I just want to ask you a couple of quick fire questions, Amy, if you don't mind. So first up, a pint of tenants or a stein? I think I'd have to go for a pint of tenants. Sticking with my roots. Ah, I, I would agree there. What about a rolling square or a frankfurter? Definitely a square sausage. One of my favourite one of my favourite dishes that is. So if you staff then, right, next question. Oktoberfest or Hogmanay? Hogmanay for sure. The biggest diva girl that you've played with. I mean I don't know if it's just because I, I play with her at the moment, but I think she on the pitch is a very big diva. Off the pitch she's very different. But um Anna Schroeder eh, is is quite a diva on the pitch, um, but absolutely fantastic player. Probably one of the be- most skillful players I've ever played with. But she's a bit of a diva. About the good old Scottish divas, name a few. I feel like Holly Cram was a bit of a diva. She didn't she didn't get the ball where she wanted it. She didn't score and all that. She'd be a wee bit of a diva. But probably off the pitch, the biggest diva, Cat Cameron. Mind her, she would she'd go all out in a night out. Massive hair, fake tan, brilliant clobber, brilliant clobber all the time. Great gal. She was off the pitch the biggest diva. Yes, I love it. A bit of honesty, here we go. Everyone always names the best coaches that they've had, but nobody ever names our worst ones. So who's the worst coach you've ever played under? I've already mentioned her and, and it was, um, I said it was a good experience. I mean, it was, but probably the worst coach I've had uh, tactically. Um, 
is uh, Rona Simpson. I thought technically brilliant coach, unbelievable goal scorer, great player, and she was very good for coaching forwards and how to score goals. But for I felt like to be the coach of a full squad. I'm not sure that was her forte, but I don't think she's a bad coach entirely, but tactically, she probably wasn't the best. Just to let you know that the After Backboard team are setting up a crowdfunding page with regards to raising money for the NHS during these times. We've set the target at £500. I'm sure we'll smash that out of the park. But by hitting the £500 marker, this will release a bonus episode where you'll be able to tune in and listen to a great voice known throughout World Hockey. To get involved, make sure you just follow on the Instagram page after the backboard and there'll be a link there where you'll be able to make your kind donations. So let's raise as much money as we can for the great NHS. Thanks, folks. Right, let's get back to the hockey with regards to Scotland stuff. And the questions I want to ask you, maybe would be how much did the Institute of Sport play a part in your kind of upbringing with regards to opening your eyes to the kind of professionalism and the ability to train regularly throughout the week? And also, what would you believe the standard of the Scottish Women's League as? Are you in dialogue with any of the girls still? And what would you implement to the league to make it more competitive? I think the Institute of Sport is invaluable. Like It's, it's unbelievable, definitely made me as good as I am today, um, yeah, the, the whole idea of being more professional or being able to spend more time in the gym or seeing um, sports psychologists or uh, lifestyle advisors and stuff like that, brilliant, so good, so good for your development as an athlete um, and even as a person, like to be able to juggle things like training and school working or uni, college, whatever, having a job, relationships, stuff like that, like, it's, it's brilliant and it's so good uh, for anyone who gets the opportunity to do it. Definitely take it with, with uh, open arms. Um, the, yeah, I don't think I've played in Scotland for so many years. I think when did I moved down to England in, like, I think 2013, maybe. So, yeah, it's been seven years since I've played in Scotland. But I think we've 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 spoken about this as well. I I feel like yeah the 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 league standard is quite good. Kaz talks about it a lot. Um, she's obviously doing well with Wildcats. Uh, yeah, but it seems like there's quite a lot of competition. Obviously from Edinburgh Uni, they're very strong. Still, um, Clydesdale Western, and then even Watsonians. I think they've been they've been doing really well as well. They've been able to to get a few good players. Um and they've been able to challenge. Um but I think that the biggest the biggest thing, especially being here in Germany, the difference in and Kenny spoke about it as well is is having competitive leagues for younger younger players. So like competitive leagues for twelve, fourteen, sixteen year old people so they learn how hard they have to work and and how challenging it is to be competitive on a regular basis. And just being put in pressurized pressurized situations, like here in Germany, they have um like the German Championships for like the under sixteens and under eighteens, and like this is it means everything to these kids, and they get put under so much pressure. They have to win, they have to win their region, then they have to go to a qualifying round, and they have to win that. And and yeah, okay, you don't want to put too much pressure on young kids, but like they get to have fun as well. They're there with their pals, and they're they're learning, and but they're also 
being competitive so that then when they get to a senior level they can be even more competitive and I think that's maybe what we lack in in Scotland at the moment and I, I don't know if there's the infrastructure for it or whatever but yeah, I feel like that at the top level the top level it is competitive but we need to make sure that there's always the young kids feeding into that. Yeah I think it's very important for what the likes of under 14s, 16s, 18s, boys and girls, that there is regular competition where you are tested as an individual coming through, playing with your pals, as you say, but you're, you're suffering maybe defeats to kind of build you up and at the same time you're experiencing great highs that will kind of motivate you and kind of give you that ambition to really kick on, which I think maybe lacks certainly in the Scottish game for both sides, guys and girls coming through at kind of grassroots uh, level. But what I was going to say is, back to the Institute of Sports days, I don't know if I was still around when, because I finished up when I was 25, Scotland stuff completely, but can you remember the guy in the gym, Mad Stevie, that done the strength and conditioning with the jeans and was always covered in the dental computer? Mad Stevie, he he used to kill me. He used to do like a, a it was, it was a seven o'clock or something, morning sprint session in that wee muddy hill just outside the Palace of Arts. And like you say, he was like a joiner or whatever, and he would turn up in his worky boots and all that, and his jeans covered in whatever, and he would sprint up this hill with us. And honestly, he would beat me. It was a joke. What a legend, though. He was... An, what an unbelievable guy. Missed those days. Mad Stevie was some guy. I must have still been there because I remember doing the hill kind of sprints and that muddy bit. I can tell you a story about Stevie. We got, we Chris Nelson, we got Stevie to believe that Nelly had four kids when he was 19 or 20. Because he used to always, because it was an early start, he'd have to use his mum and dad's car to get to training. And it had like the kind of baby seats with his big sister had a, a kid at the time. So Nelly used to always be late by five or Ten minutes and then Stevie would always want to give him a punishment. We like, Stevie, come on, big man, you can't go hard in the alley. And he's like, oh, he's late, he's no any different views and what Stevie mate, he's got four kids, man. He's trying to try to put a wage in the a wage in the bank and bread on the table and that <laughs> big Stevie hook line his cycle took it in. And to this day, Stevie still thinks that Nelly's got four kids. But anyways, you've had your successes in Amy up in Scotland. How how does the move down south come about and what were your intentions of going down down there? Was there anyone that's contacted you prior to that? And what clubs was it you actually started off with then? Because there's a list here, Old Lutons, uh, Slough, uh, Sub and Redding that you've played for down there. How did all how did your English kind of career then kick off then? I got into the GB squad, so I reckon that would have been like being put forward by the Scotland coach, which would have been Sheppey at the time. Um, and then I went down for a trial and then got offered a contract for the centralised programme. So then I joined, uh, went down there and then um, didn't really have a club. And then the old Lytonians, they were they were looking for someone. And then my, my pal Shona McAllen as well. well. I didn't really know at the time, but we're good friends now. She joined there. And uh, unfortunately, she was injured. I got injured. Um, or I think I had a surgery or something. I can't remember. No, I think I... Did I? Yeah, maybe. I think I had a surgery. So couldn't couldn't actually play for them. Um, and... Uh, then they got relegated from a conference league and uh, the coach was like, you can't play for them. But loved the club, still <laughs> still in contact a little bit with some of the girls and stuff, got them on Facebook and that. Lovely, lovely group of girls. Um, but that unfortunately didn't work out. I wish it had because I really enjoyed the club. They, they, they were a really, really nice club. Um, so then I uh, moved to Surbiton. No, Slough. Slough, I think it was. I think I went to Slough first. Me and Shona both moved to Slough. Um, and 
I think I must have, I was probably a little bit injured as well, so didn't really play that much. Um, didn't particularly get on with the coach that 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 well. Um, and it's it's difficult for him. Like he's obviously had his team that have been there for for years and years or whatever. Um, and and has club players and wants them to play and you're just you're like oh you're just there because you live nearby or whatever and you've just joined the program and yeah I'm not like I don't think that was uh, his totally his deal but he definitely wanted to keep everyone happy and um yeah didn't particularly enjoy enjoy that that much but that's the way it is isn't it but again lovely group of girls still keep in contact with a few of them um and I think yeah that. They they were great, but it just didn't didn't really work out with the the coach and stuff like that. And then um, Abby Walker was at Surbiton, and she was I think she was having a baby that year, maybe, um, or yeah, and also work and stuff like that because she's a ENT surgeon, I think. I think she's a surgeon. There's definitely something with ENT, but she's working with the NHS. Excellent, brilliant. Keep it going. Um, she sort of didn't really want to play anymore, and then. Uh, Brett asked if I wanted to go to Surbiton and I was like, oh, that's great. Yeah, I knew a lot of the girls in the team. Uh, obviously knew a lot of the boys as well in the Surbiton team, so I went there for a season. And uh, unfortunately, I was um, yeah, I was off sick, I guess you would say that, um, from the GB squad for, for a few months and missed quite a lot of uh, stuff with Surbiton as well. And um, yeah, I didn't just didn't really work out they were obviously looking for someone who was going to be there a bit more and that wasn't really me so then another goalie went joined there and I joined Reading um and I really liked Reading as well um but then I got dropped from the GB program and um what didn't have anything that tied me to England so and I was I was injured no I think I was probably injured for Reading as well and they came back and we unfortunately got relegated that was a tough season that was um, but I still enjoyed it. Like the club is great. Reading's such a good club. Um, yeah, all the people there are brilliant, very supportive. Um, but yeah, I just felt like there was nothing holding me down to England. Tying me down to England, would you say that? Yeah, tying me down to England. Um, and uh, I contacted uh, Jimmy Lewis and moved away. Moved away from England. Moved to Germany. But yeah, that was all those clubs that I played for. In England, but it's it's funny how things how things don't always work out. You're like, oh yeah, this this will be brilliant. I'll really enjoy this club. And if you see people moving about, you're like, well, why are they just doing that? I don't know. Like, but there's there's loads of different things that might not that might not um might not be right for you. Like when uh, Kenny was talking about why he moved from um, Amsterdam. Yeah, you never know. And it's the same with footballers and stuff like that. It's a lot harder than it's a lot harder than you think it's going to be. Really. Yeah, Kenny, Kenny was saying that with regards to his experiences over in Holland as well, when uh, moves come about. But there's still so much I still want to speak to you about with regards to your GB experiences and obviously the kind of times you've had with Scotland has been fantastic as well and we'll get on to that. But you were saying there uh, that you moved then from Reading uh, over to Germany. And just before I go on to that, it's a credit to yourself then because the amount of clubs you had been at, maybe things, as you say, don't work out for whatever reason. You've still got that kind of mindset and determination to continue on playing at a higher level and then obviously getting a move to Germany was great. So if you can just tell me a bit, a bit about the setup, you're in a flat, am I correct, with Gav and Tommy as well? That would have been like 2016, 2017 um, that I got dropped from the GB squad and yeah, I knew that I could, I still had 
potential to play at a high level. And yeah, I, I don't know if I really wanted to that much because whenever I did speak to Jimmy about it, he said I was ready to quit. Um, and I messaged him and I knew that the setup over in Germany is really good. The The league's very competitive. And um, yeah, I just thought it would be really good fun to, to come over here and, and try and play. And he, I messaged him, asked him if he knew any teams that needed a goalie. And luckily... He knew too. He, he was the goalie coach of both teams, um, and I, I chose their club in their Alster. Um, and actually, when I came over, they've got this really nice uh, club flat at the club. There's a six six bedroom apartment, um, which is is brilliant. There's quite a few of the the people are staying in there just now. Um, I lived there for a while. I think I lived there for like a year and a half. Um. <clears throat> But the setup of the club is great, so that's that's at the club in the city, and they've got like a couple of mini pitches and an indoor hall, a gym, tennis courts, indoor tennis courts, a swimming pool. The swimming pool is amazing when it's nice and sunny, um, and then their main pitches maybe twenty five minute drive away, but we've got club buses and stuff like that, so we can get out to the to the pitch no bother, um, yeah, and then so they let you stay in that that club apartment for a while, but yeah, moved out. I've uh, stayed a few places, but yeah, now we're living with uh, Tommy and Gav, which is uh, good fun. They're actually out the back playing football. Of course, they are 30-year-old boys out the back with football. Um, but yeah, it's, it's decent. It's in a nice area, nice and quiet. Just um, keeping isolated at the moment. Pretty boring, playing lots of FIFA, stuff like that. But yeah, the, the setup in Germany is, is great, and um, I'm glad I sent that Facebook message to, to Jimmy asking if... Uh, if anyone needed a goalie, because it's been probably the most successful time I've had playing hockey, um, actually winning things, because in Scotland, I think I won, didn't really win anything, I never won the league, for sure, never won the league, I won, like, the plate, the Scottish plate, um, Western won the cup when, uh, when I was there, but I didn't play in that, in the final, Christian Stobel played in the final, what a legend, um, that was another. That was a great game when Nicky Cochran padded the ball into her own net. It was very funny. <laughs> she hate me telling the telling this story, but she like someone had a shot and she just smacked the ball right up in the air and then she went to tip it over the bar, but just hit it back into her own goal. <laughs> what an idiot. Um, she's come a long way from then, a long way. So yeah, it's been really successful over here in, in Germany. We've we've um, I've played two and a half seasons. Now three three indoor seasons and two outdoor seasons and won two indoor German championships and uh, two outdoor German championships, which has been incredible. And but the team that I came into is has been has been phenomenal and yeah the support we get and stuff like that is is, is different from the UK. We have like a we have an S and C coach who who takes us twice a week, sometimes three times a week. Um, we've got a sports psychologist. We've got a physio who's there for us two nights a week and is always at our games. Um, yeah, it's not not quite as professional as uh, the Dutch teams, the top Dutch teams, but yes, yeah, it's, it's it's really good. And the clubs, the clubs really look out for you over here. They made sure um, the boys got this apartment, and I was able to move in with them. And any any time I've been looking for anything for work or apartments, yeah, they're 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 very good to to their homegrown players and their their uh, foreign players. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a great experience so far. I think seeing somebody like yourself then go over to Germany and take that 
not a gamble, but to go and express yourself away in a foreign country for anyone that's up and coming that wants to experience that and then seeing the success that you've had with regards to what you're saying, winning titles indoor and outdoor, and knowing that the club looks after yourself with regards to accommodation and uh, making you feel very welcome. I think that can only encourage any up and coming youngsters that want to experience that. Uh, aye, go for it then. You know, there's so many folk around around Europe playing in Germany, Spain, Holland. Uh, I think if that opportunity provides itself, then I think nowadays I go and experience it and give it a go and see what happens. But just getting back to your GB experience, uh, Amy, what can you tell me? What's it like being then a full-time athlete and in a programme with, uh, with regards to Great Britain? Definitely get get yourself over to Europe if you can. I don't know if Brexit's going to make it harder or whatever, but yeah, definitely the, the clubs over here, they love having um, foreigners over and it, it yeah, it gives you such a different experience to what you're used to in the UK. Even yeah, even going down south to England or whatever, if you go to uni or whatever to play down there's um also a great experience. Um yeah, being a, a full time athlete it was it was great. Like it was it was amazing to be able to do something that I loved so much and to have the dream of going to the Olympics and to be able to earn a living from it and, and not not worry too much I feel like the the biggest the biggest bonus about being a professional athlete is actually being able to rest I think that's that's what some some of the people who like play for Scotland and like throughout the years who have who've been working away or whatever full-time jobs and then they go to train at night and they go to the gym in the morning they just don't get to rest so they're never going to reach their full potential and some of them are unbelievably talented players but obviously they're they're very talented at other things as well that's why they're like a lawyer or a doctor or whatever studying to be that um so yeah I, like hats off to those people but i think the best the the best thing about being a professional athlete is being able to rest and then get the most out of your training and being able to reach your potential but being part of the gb squad was yeah i mean it, it was it was difficult uh, i'm not gonna lie to you it was very very difficult but um it was also very rewarding like it was great to be able to play with some of the players that I got to play with, and um, to be involved in that. The Rio Olympic cycle was unbelievable, and to to think that I'd pushed people to be better, and that's why the team did so well. That's what I tell myself anyway, even if it didn't happen. Um, yeah, it was great. Uh, really enjoyed being part of it, even though at, what, at times it was very challenging, and. Um, I don't want to be. I don't want to be bitter or always pull out the Scotland card in that. But sometimes it, it is pretty difficult to be a Scottish athlete on on the Great Britain squad. Um, just in in terms of, like you miss you miss a lot, and I would never not want to play for Scotland. I love playing for Scotland, and I think I played two Europeans, um, and a Commonwealth Games, um, in the time I was in the squad, and uh. Yeah, just missing the, those whole summers, missing months of training, and the coach doesn't get to see you. So when I when I was finally dropped, they said I was unavailable more than I was available because I did have quite a few injuries, um, and other complications or whatever. Um, and I I, I like looked up how many days I I was available. I was in this as in the program for, and how many days I could train for, and how many days I couldn't. And I think. I was definitely available for more than I was unavailable for, but of the days I was available, 50% of the time I was in Scotland, so the coach never saw me, so the coach thought I was unavailable. And 
I mean, that's just that's just my that's my personal um, experience of, of of that's my situation. I'm not saying it's the same for everyone else, and obviously it's different depending on your position in the squad and whatever who who's challenging for positioning position in your in your position or whatever. But yeah, I mean, I I did find it quite difficult, but I wouldn't have changed it for the world. Like it was brilliant, and I've made lots of good friends, and. Uh, yeah, it was a great experience and unbelievable experience to say that I was once a professional athlete. <laughs> I can't can't believe that now, but yeah, it was it was pretty pretty cool to be able to say that. Not not sure, not many hockey players are are able to say that. I think, as you say, playing for Great Britain and being a full time athlete, there are many folk that can say that. I think the experience you had, be it good or bad, you know that can only lead you lead you to many more positives throughout your career, depending on how you take take it upon yourself to, to drive on. Uh, you were saying in that conversation in regards to your time spent with Scotland, playing for Scotland, uh, that you loved it. So what does it mean to you, playing for Scotland? How big an honour is it really for you? I think, yeah, the biggest honour you can get, I think, representing your country. I was always a sports fanatic when I was younger. Like, I used to sit and watch the Olympics all the time, the Winter Olympics, I remember when I was a wee kid. I used to love watching sport, playing sport, doing everything with two older brothers and always loved playing football with them, played football when I was younger, football mad and all that. Um, And then got into hockey and I think, yeah, having an opportunity to represent my country was always my dream. I think when I was, I think I was 14, I got an under-16 Scotland squad and like even that was was massive, but then the dream was obviously still to represent Scotland. And I think the biggest thing a Scottish player can go to is a Commie Games. Obviously, the World Cup would be amazing, but we don't always qualify for that. So something we're guaranteed qualification for is is the Commie Games, and I think that was always the dream. And I remember, like watching Melbourne Commie Games and and stuff like that, and thinking, yeah, I mean that would be amazing. Even the the ones in Manchester as well, like, yeah, it would have been, that was obviously all, always uh, the dream and I, it's such an honour to be able to do that and to say that I played in, in two Commie Games and umpteen European Championships um, and other world, world tournaments. Only thing I've missed out in is a World Cup. I'd really like to go to a World Cup, but I'm not sure that'll happen. Um, but we'll see. But yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing being able to pull on the Scotland jersey, have your name on the back and the badge in the front and go and represent the country with all, all the girls that you're doing it with. It's unbelievable and to play for them as well. Yeah, it's great. Nothing better, no better feeling than than hearing your anthem at the start. Um, yeah, and I've, I've been able to do it quite a few times. So, yeah, I love it. Just looking at your major achievements, as you say, you know, you finished like third and fourth in the Champions Challenge. as represented at so many European nations, uh, competitions generally finishing sixth in most of them. Uh, obviously, it was unfortunate when you just get relegated in the Euros in 2017, but you've been to the Commie Games at Glasgow, you've been to the Gold Coast, obviously, 2019 there, at the Euros hosted in Glasgow, you were able to gain promotion back uh, to the A Division, which will be in 2021, which is all great, so there's plenty of stuff looking forward. Uh, obviously, I'm representing Scotland, you know, so Plenty of positive times ahead, certainly for you, Amy, and for the rest of the girls. But within the sport, then, Amy, who are you are, who are your friends in the the Scotland team, and who are the party animals? Who likes a night out, and what do you get? What do you girls get up to then to relax away from hockey when you're not playing? Aye, we've we've done not bad, Scotland. To be fair, for for quite a small nation, uh, I think 
we managed to stay in three A divisions, which was quite impressive, and unfortunately got relegated, what was it, two and a half years ago or whatever. Um, and then managed to win the B division last year. So great that uh, Scottish Hockey hosted it. It was it was brilliant. Same for the boys. Like three years ago when they when they got promoted, they put on quite a good they put on a good show there, and um, we managed to give them one back, I guess. Um, but yeah, A division again next year should be should be exciting, and it's right after Olympics, so you know anything could happen. Scotland could be the best team there. You never know. Um, uh, on the party side, I don't know. My pals, my pals. I've got, I've got quite a lot of pals in the squad actually. Um, Mary Drummond, she's a bit wild, isn't she? She loves doing core exercises and stuff like that and showing off her six pack and stuff. Uh, SJ, she's a, uh, she loves a good book, but she's a, uh, she's good on a night out. They're um two of my good pals in the squad at the moment. Um, who else is there? Who's wild? What do they like doing? Lanners, Lucy Lanigan, she's wild. She just loves a bit of yoga, though. She's always posting videos of, of yoga and all that. Kaz, obviously, she's wild. I've known her for years and years since school, obviously. Um, she's very wild. She she enjoys a good baby, but she's probably in isolation in her um, in her hot tub with her husband, drinking probably um, Lambrini out the bottle. That does sound like Kaz. Um, I don't know what what people like doing. Just I think we just like hanging about and all that. Squidge as well. She's she's a good she's she's good for a laugh. She's a very very funny girl. You should get her on. She's brilliant. She's been through quite a lot as well when she was in in the squad, out the squad, back in the squad. But she's always there, always there for some banter. Um, Sarah Robertson, says footy. She used to play football. For, uh, I think she played for Scotland, so you always catch her doing keepy ups and that out the back. Um, uh, she's uh, maybe we should get her on and ask her about her football career. She definitely played for the Highbies. Definitely, I'm saying definitely she might have played for the Highbies. I'm not sure. How could I forget Nikki Cochran? Nikki Cochran is, she's she is. I'd say the party's not started until she's arrived. That that song's literally written about her. She uh, she just she's always up for a wee challenge, or she loves Guinness. She's infatuated by Guinness at the moment, but she also likes making um um what does she like making? What are they called when you like make um plastic cars and planes and all that, and then paint them air models? Are they called that? I don't know. She'd be better to tell you that, but she she does things that ninety year old women do. And she's only like twenty-five. <laughs> ah, definitely. I mean, I'll do my best then to get some of those girls on. All you've got to do is just tell them to drop us a message, and we'll try and get them on at a date and get the recordings out there for folk to listen to. But I've not got much left to ask you now, Amy. I don't know. Over the last couple of shows, I've kind of bounced it back to whatever guests been on. If they've wanted to ask me anything. A wee question for you. I've had a couple of good nights in Kelburn at the back bar. Ralphie's thirtieth. That was a highlight. I really enjoyed that. Um, Gaza Hall. This was a different night. I think Gaza Hall was pulling down the curtains in the back bar. Great nights. What was your What's your best What's your best night in the back bar at Kelburn? Oh, great question, Amy. Great question. They are too. Ralphie's there. He's up and I remember the wee man Gaza ripping the curtains off the wall. Uh, that was something else. Best night in the back bar. It's been quite. A, it's quite a few, obviously, with the success that we've had over the 
over that prolonged period. But I think one maybe then, uh, Big Bob, the barman, uh, had to go down the stairs to change a keg and obviously I had a couple of drinks in me. I thought it'd be wise to go behind the bar and start serving the boys and pouring as many pints as I could, which I did, but only to find out whilst my back was turned doing that, Robert came back up the stairs early and was just standing watching me for a couple of yards away to what I turned round to, what the fuck are you doing, Johnny, get out my bar, where I had to kind of, and Bob is a scary man, if everyone knows Bob, I went and sat down in the corner with my wee bottle of, wee bottle of body and just drank myself and head away for the rest of the night. <laughs> Brilliant. Try to do the right thing to the boys, but getting caught, not great, not great. There's so many, to be fair. I've seen players put cigarettes out in folks' heads. Naked press-ups was a, a common theme for Remy Wrights in every Saturday. Win a league or no win a league, he was always naked. It's just so many, mate, to be fair. Oh, so many that I can't probably even say on this. Why does Remy Wrightson even own any clothes? He should just walk about naked all the time. He loves it. If the big man could, he would. Believe me. What a character he is. So many comments from folk that have been on the show so far. So I think there's going to have to be a demand to get the big Remy on so he can talk in person about, uh, <laughs> about all his frolics over the years. Just to let you know that the After Backboard team are setting up a crowdfunding page with regards to raising money for the NHS during these times. We've set the target at £500. I'm sure we'll smash that out of the park. But by hitting the £500 marker, this will release a bonus episode where you'll be able to tune in and listen to a great voice known throughout World Hockey. To get involved, make sure you just follow on the Instagram page after Backboard and there'll be a link there where you'll be able to make your kind donations. So let's raise as much money as we can for the great NHS. Thanks, folks. Amy, hey, that's pretty much it. I've only got one last question to ask you. What does the future hold then, hockey-wise, for Amy, with regards to Scotland? Any other further GB aspirations? And, obviously, Scotland senior stuff. What's the plans there then, Amy, before we go? Definitely get bigger Amy on. If you can't get him, his sister, Laura, she'll... She's got some good stories as well. I'd get her on as well. Um, the future, I think, I definitely will play in Germany for another season. Um, it's a, I was a bit gutted this season, obviously. This coronavirus has stopped all sport. We didn't really, we've not got to finish this season yet and we were meant to be playing in the EHL this weekend, which would have been class. Um, so, yeah, hopefully we can finish the season, maybe get to the EHL next season because... That would be brilliant to play in. Great experience, I'm sure. Um, and then for Scotland, see what happens, I guess. Obviously, Europeans next year. Um, I've always wanted to play in a World Cup, but I don't know if I, I don't know if I'll make it make it that far. We'll see. We'll see what happens. That's great, Amy. Well, as I've said in previous shows, it's great to get guys, women, international players of all levels, umpires, all connected to with hockey to get them on to hear their thoughts in the game how their careers are progressing, what they've achieved, any nights out, all, all good-hearted, light-hearted fun. That's what we want to hear. Uh, and just to sum up then, Amy, I wish you all the best with regards to your time over in Germany. Hope that goes successful for you and then obviously representing Scotland and whatever future aspirations you've got and ambitions that you want to achieve. Uh, obviously, during this time, stay safe over there and hopefully I can get wee Gavin Tommy on the show. That would be fantastic to hear for them. And if there's anyone else, as as I've said before, that you want to get on the show, then just drop a wee message to After the Backboard and we'll get back to you and we'll try and get them on. So 
Thanks very much, Amy. Wish you all the best. Stay safe and I'll speak to you soon. Thanks very much. Brilliant note. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Lovely chatting to you. Reminiscing about all the all the times in Scotland. Uh, love what you're doing. Really enjoying it. Keep it up. And uh, you stay safe as well. Keep your social distance and all that. I can't wait till this is over. Um, the boys are back in from playing football, so maybe go and get a wee FIFA tournament with them and I'll tell them to get to get replying to half the backboard so you can get them on as well. Cheers, Johnny. Bye. Bye. It's another episode of Half the Backboard. Thanks again, Amy, for coming on. It's been a great insight to your career. Everyone else out there, just keep checking on Instagram to see who's up next, what guests we've got lined up, and a big thanks to the HL for the support as well towards the Half the Backboard team. Thanks again, folks. Cheers.